Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Waymakers and giant killers. I would start my reading from 2 Samuel chapter 21 and verse 20 and 21. 2 Samuel chapter 21, the verse 20 and 21 as we look at waymakers and giant killers. Verse 20 says, Yet again there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature, who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number. And he was also born to the giant. Verse 21. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, David's brother, killed him. May the Lord bless his word. Amen. The Bible passage recounts another in the series of fights between Israel and the Philistines. And once again, from the city of Gath, a giant emerges, this time with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in all. This massive character rose up and defied Israel And the Bible says, a hitherto unknown young man called Jonathan, the son of Shimea, David's brother, that means David's nephew Jonathan, rose up and killed him. The incident is significant because it has a relationship. It was a continuation of a journey that began about 50 years earlier in similar circumstances. Leadership It's about legacy. Leaders seek to do things that outlive them. Leaders open doors and create access, space, opportunity for other people to do what ordinarily they cannot do. That dimension of a leader's life is what makes us call them way makers. Who is a way maker? Just like the name connotes, a waymaker is simply somebody who makes a way. One who makes a way. A pioneer. A pathfinder. One who does something that has not been done before or is not common. That is a waymaker. God is a waymaker. We sing about him as a waymaker, a miracle worker a promise keeper, and a light in the darkness. God is a way maker. Tell somebody God is a way maker. In Isaiah 43 verse 16, Bible says, Thus saith the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waves. May the way making God make a way for you. Our God is a way maker. He takes ordinary people like you and I from the miry clay and plants our feet on the solid rock. He is a way maker. 
Jesus is a way maker because he took a bunch of uneducated men unknown by anybody and transformed them in a little over three years to become world changers. Jesus is a way maker. You and I are way makers because we are created in the image of a way making God. Tell somebody, I am a way maker. What does the way maker do? Let's go to Proverbs 13, verse 22. Proverbs 13 and the verse 22. And look at the legacy of a way maker. Proverbs 13, 22. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. I'll focus largely on the first part that says a good man. And if the Bible is yours and you have a habit of writing notes in it, you want to put in brackets a way maker. A way maker leaves an inheritance to his children's children. If we are affirming that we are way makers, our responsibility is to leave an inheritance for our children's children. The word inheritance can be replaced by 10 other words. It could be legacy. It could be provision. It could be heritage. It could be endowment. It could be access. It could be advantage. It could be enablement. We could even say he leaves a platform or she leaves a platform or a foundation, and very importantly, an opportunity. Waymakers create opportunity for other people. Each of these words suggests a superior position, a certain benefit a person gets because the person who came before you was a waymaker. It's almost like running a relay race. If you are running, let's say, 100 by 4 or 400 by 4, and the person who runs first has a comfortable lead and hands over the baton to you, you start at an advantage. Tell somebody an advantage. Tell the person opportunity. Tell the person access. Tell the person enablement. Tell the person space. When the person who runs before you does well, you start life at an advantage. But if the person who runs before you left you with a deficit, you need to cover the deficit before you even start. A way maker gives other people an advantage. Hallelujah. May that be your story. There's a twofold mandate of the way maker. The first thing they do is to create opportunity themselves. To make a way themselves. To create an advantage for themselves. But the second one is even more exciting. They pass on that advantage to other people and to generations after them. A way maker breaks through difficult barriers and makes it possible for others to pass through. Several years ago, the 100 meter race, the limit anyone could run was 10 point something. It was deemed as a world record until one day somebody ran 9.99. It made world headlines front page 
because nobody had done it before. But in a recent race that was run in the Olympic Games, the whole eight people who went to the final all ran sub 10 meters, nine point something, nine point something. Even the person who was last ran nine point something. What happens when a way maker makes a way is that what was hitherto called impossible becomes common. May God enable you to make a way for what is called impossible today. Hallelujah. And so what do way makers pass on? The first thing they pass on as an inheritance is their faith in God. A way maker bequeaths their faith in God to the next generation. As parents, as mentors, as friends, the first gift you can give anyone is the gift of our faith in God. The biggest gift we can give our children is the legacy of our faith in God and the life that we live in Christ. It is greater than any other thing we can give our children. Our faith in God is our first legacy. The second legacy that we can pass on is our culture and our principles. What we believe in. The values that have guided our lives till now. The things we have believed in that have made it possible for us to become who we are. We must pass them on. It is important to deliberately let those who look up to you know the secret behind who you are. It is possible to observe somebody and to assume that what you see is all that there is. But let them know that a great while before day, you rose up in prayer. That is the legacy we must pass on. Our culture and our principles. Let us not let the next generation assume that our strength is all that they see. It is said of the iceberg that the power of the iceberg lies in the fact that 90% of the strength is underwater. And so the 10% that you see above the water is only a fraction of the true strength of the iceberg. Several times, the battles that we fight alone, the things we go through alone that strengthen us to become who we are, we don't pass it on. And so people see what they see and think that is all that there is. And they try to do the same thing. And when it doesn't happen, they say they are disappointed. Teach them the truth. Show them what happens in the night hours when there is no witness. Our culture and our principles. The third thing we pass on is our wisdom. Our wisdom garnered over the years. As we walk with God, he teaches us wisdom. He gives us deeper understanding of life and and the secrets of life. Those are valuable assets that a way maker must pass on to the next generation, our wisdom. The fourth one that we are all familiar with is our wealth and our assets. A waymaker passes on assets, creates opportunity, financial opportunity, property, legacy, inheritance, investments, and then passes it on. But the fifth one is very special. The fifth legacy that a waymaker passes on is the can-do spirit. It may not be tangible, But it is that spirit that made Jonathan, the nephew of David, rise up and fight a giant who looks like a weapon of mass destruction. Six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. 
the fact that the Bible took time to describe the number of digits the man had gives the impression that he was a significant character. What is it that made a young man who was a nephew of David rise up when the guy defied Israel and fight him? Because a waymaker had made a way earlier on and taught him or passed on the can-do spirit. Hallelujah. And so let's settle down and look at David as a waymaker. Let's take time to go back 50 years before Jonathan's experience and begin at a time when David was 17 years old. The life of a waymaker. David was the eighth son of Jesse with a promise of greatness upon his life. But he had one problem. He was consigned in the wilderness to look after sheep when others were being considered for opportunity. Sometimes the waymaker begins from a place of disadvantage and a place of deficit. You look at your life and you think you deserve more, but you are hidden out of sight and nobody knows you. One day the prophet Samuel visited the house of Jesse and announced that he was looking for a king. Obviously, human as they were, they lined up the profitable sons, the promising sons, the firstborn, the secondborn, the thirdborn. And so you saw Eliab, Abinadab, Shammah lined up. They said, these are the ones who have the potential. At that time, David was hidden. A waymaker is sometimes hidden. But as God would have it and as the Bible will have it, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13, the Bible says, God overlooked all the people that men had selected and picked up the man hidden in the desert. And in the presence of his brothers, the Bible says, Samuel anointed him as king of Israel and the spirit of God came upon him. That was in chapter 16. That means that David was anointed as king in secret before chapter 17 when he fought Goliath. The interesting lesson for me was the fact that after being anointed as king, he went back and continued looking after the sheep. Why is that important? Let's settle and look at seven way-making principles from the life of David because they will speak to the aspirations of several of us. Great potential, but forgotten, ignored, unknown by many. The way-maker often begins from a place where nobody knows you. Nobody thinks you can become somebody. Even if they ask who in your family is the one with promise, it's possible you will be overlooked. Seven way-making secrets from David. Number one, submit to the process. There is a process by which God brings us into our own. Our destination may be greatness, but there is a complex process of preparation that gets us there. The bigger your throne, the more convoluted and confusing the journey to it. How do you reconcile being a king in waiting and spending your time looking after sheep. You believe God has anointed you. You had a prophetic word from God that you will be CEO. And you are serving coffee and running errands. And you are saying, when shall I? The things that God told me last year, if I compare them to where I am today, there are questions. Did God really speak? 
I came to tell somebody that a way maker can remain hidden, but God is preparing you step by step, little by little. He's cutting off certain undesirable parts. God has not forgotten you. There is a process. And in the fullness of time, you shall emerge. Jesus went through the same situation. And so David did what Jesus did. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible gives a prescription about how every way maker should deal with the shame of waiting for the manifestation of your glory. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, looking not unto your best friend, not unto your president, not unto your CEO, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. May somebody despise the shame of your today. May somebody despise the pain of your today. It doesn't matter that nobody knows you. It doesn't matter that nobody believes you can become somebody. If God believes that you can become somebody, let God be true and every man a liar. In due season, if you do not faint, God will cause you to sit on that throne of glory. Hallelujah. Sometimes your seed can seem to die. In your hands. You hold in your hands what looks like your promise, your potential, your talent, your ability, your opportunity. But sometimes you look at it and you say, this thing, (laughs) it looks dead. It's a dream, but it looks dead. But the assurance from God is that that death is temporary. Your dream will rise again. In John chapter 12 and the verse 24, Jesus brought an assurance about the process by which a seed grows. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless, until a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. May somebody's dead dream come alive again. May somebody's dead dream, that which looks little and looks like it is dying in your hands, may it resurrect by the power of Jehovah God and may it bring life to somebody. Let me speak to somebody who is discouraged. Everything was going so well. There was a plan and step by step you believed you were moving towards something but from nowhere something volatile, uncertain, something complex and ambiguous has thrown that plan out of gear. May the grace and glory of God come upon your life and may that which is dead rise again. May the rain of God fall on somebody's seed and may that which has been abandoned, that which has been denied, that which has been overlooked, may that thing rise up and bring glory to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. When Samuel came looking for a king, they said there are better ones in this house. Even when it was time for war, the biggest pride of every Jewish young man is to go to war. When it was time for war, Bible says they selected the same three. They said, go to war. You are the senior ones, trained, promised. Eliab, Abinadab, 
Shammah, go to war. David, remain and look after the sheep. Sometimes you look at your life and others are selected before you and something tells you that you are better. By some miracle, somebody else was selected. What do you do? Do you keep believing God? Or do you say God has failed you? The key word is process. The key word is preparation. His time is not your time. And his way is not your way. When you prematurely climb onto a throne meant for you tomorrow, you will fight unnecessary battles. But at the appointed time that the Lord has appointed, no matter how far away, the circumstances of your life will conspire by divine ability to bring you there. Oh, you will get there. I said you will get there. An announcement to somebody who is in doubt about the grace of God, you will get there. God will cause you to sit on the throne designed for you. Hallelujah. Lesson number two, serve with faithfulness. Serve with faithfulness. And so David could have said, okay, I'll look after the sheep, but I'll do it anyhow. Because this family does not recognize who I am. I am not being fairly treated. So David could have said, well, I will do it, but I know I am marketing manager material. You have made me marketing executive or marketing officer. So I'll do the work anyhow. Sometimes in protest, when we think that we do not get what we deserve, we do things anyhow. But the Bible says that whatever you do, do it as unto God and not unto any man. Do it as unto God. And not unto any man. So David went back to look after the sheep. Why did I produce the picture of a lion? Because imagine your 17 year old son confronting a lion. The adult lion weighs almost 200 kilograms. The bear is worse. The brown bear grows to about 600 kilograms. Assume that the average 17 year old. It's about 60 kilos. Imagine 60 versus 200. Or 60 kilos versus 600 kilos. And while some of us may assume that David stood far away and fired a sling and killed the lion like he killed Goliath, I have even more troubling news for you. In 1 Samuel 17, 34, David showed Saul exactly how he killed the lion. He says, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion, that means 200 kilos, or a bear, that means 600 kilos, came and took a lamb out of the flock, pause here, let it go. Let it go. I mean, natural reasoning. There was a whole flock. It took only one. Let it go. But verse 35 says, I went after it. That means that it was running away. I went after it and then struck it and delivered the lamb out of his mouth. Look at the mouth of the lion. Delivered the lamb out of his mouth. And the next part is what gets even more interesting. Bible says, and then when it rose up against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. Friends, it was not a film. Tell somebody it wasn't a film. <laughs> Look at the beard of the lion. The Bible says he caught it by the beard. That means he was looking at it in the face. It takes commitment. It takes faithfulness. 
it takes reliability let me encourage a way maker here you are doing some things in your workplace you are doing some things in your home and you are doing them well and everyone is saying take your time we are all here you say i want to raise the bar higher and they are laughing you are a way maker you can't do things ordinarily you want to do things exceptionally with commitment with faithfulness with reliability i came from god to tell somebody if you work with faithfulness and you work with commitment and you work with reliability others may laugh at you but in due season the God you serve he will reward you I said God will recognize somebody somebody who has been hidden for years is about to be exposed and the glory of God will fall upon your life hallelujah if you believe that is you come on give God a shout of praise David refused to give excuses because that menial job he was doing was an audition it was a rehearsal for the moment of opportunity for years god was preparing david for goliath and yet david didn't even know that somebody existed called goliath something in your preparation is dealing with the problem you will face some years from now you may not know the problem but god knows it and is preparing you for advantage hallelujah tell somebody i'm a way maker the third principle of the waymaker is to spot your turning point. Life has turning points. In football, there can be first half and second half. Or there can be first leg and second leg. And you can be 4 nil down in the first leg. And you can come back and score 6-1. Tell somebody turning points exist. I did not mention any team's name. But turning points exist in life. You can find yourself at a point where there is a major deficit. The first part of your work, your business, your life, your ministry, the first part looks like nothing is happening. But in the life of the waymaker, there is always a turning point. And a waymaker must identify that turning point. One day, God decides that my waymaker is ready. So Jesse calls David and says, go with these provisions and check on your brothers in the army. I'm sure that before Jesse called him, David had made his itinerary for the day. Worship, make a roll call of the sheep, play the harp, look out for any predators, lions and bears who will emerge. But there was another predator that God had spotted. God had other plans for David. There was a predator he had not seen, but God had spotted him. And so David carried the cheese and carried the provisions. And the moment he landed on the battleground, the spirit of the waymaker began to stir up in him. There is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the almighty gives him understanding. When you come face to face with that opportunity of your life, something, the spirit of God will begin to stir up something in your heart. Years of rehearsal suddenly made sense. Goliath was his turning point. And so David began to ask questions. What shall be done for the man who will kill Goliath? For anyone who didn't know his background, the question didn't make sense. These were crack military men, selected and trained, who were running away from Goliath. What question are you asking today? The king was running. The army commander was running. Chief of defense staff was hiding. The soldiers were running. 
And a small 17-year-old boy is asking, what shall be done for the man who will kill Goliath? Whenever you step out and confront your turning point, expect resistance. And so the fourth lesson, overcome every resistance. There are three levels of resistance. The first resistance, guess what? It came from family and friends. Eliab, the brother, the eldest brother of David, was the first to object. In verse 28, he said to him, where have you left those few sheep? There are people from your past and people from your life who knew where you came from and cannot simply believe that anything good can come out of you. No matter how much God tries to lift you up, they want to remind you about 20 years ago, but they have moved on, and so have you. Eliab said, I know your pride and the naughtiness of your heart. What was the problem? A simple question. What shall be done? You see, because he cannot fight the battle, he cannot believe that you can even ask about it. In his mind, they are talking about selected people, dignified people in the army. Where are you coming from? In Matthew 13, verse 57, the Bible says that when the people of Nazareth saw Jesus, they were offended. They said, we know his father. We know his mother. We know his brothers and sisters. Where did he get this power from? Sometimes people who know your past have the greatest difficulty in accepting your future. Bible says David turned to him and said, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason? And Bible says he just kept moving on. Resistance number one, overcome. Second resistance was the establishment. The establishment is represented by Saul. Saul himself was the tallest man in Israel. And so if Goliath was a giant, the tallest man must fight him. This battle was Saul's battle. And yet he was hiding, and when David comes on the scene and says, I can do it, he says, oh, young man, you know what? I like your enthusiasm, but this one is not for children. It's not for young adults. Bible says, he said, this man has fought as a soldier all his life. You are but a youth. The same resistance is what the Pharisees and the Sadducees gave Jesus. We are the establishment. We are the, the religious leaders. We understand the Torah. Where did you come from? What is your background? It is sometimes difficult for some people to believe that God can bypass them and do something with your life. But God will not listen to the resistance of the establishment because the way maker has been prepared in a different way from the establishment. Hallelujah. The final resistance came from the giant himself. And so when Goliath saw David, he said, am I a dog that you come against me with sticks? Goliath represents that biggest barrier, that final barrier to the second phase of your life. You have struggled in the first phase and God is about to usher you into the second phase. Goliath is that last barrier you must cross. It will look big It will look impregnable, but guess what? God has prepared you. This month, this week, this year, if you face a challenge that looks so big, 
Do not be discouraged. Don't be intimidated. Years of preparation, God has worked on you step by step and little by little. You may go for a bit and those you are competing with may be so strong and mighty. But present what you have, lay your hands on it and anoint it and declare that in this season, the mantle of leadership rests upon me and present your bid. And guess what? In the midst of great challenge, Jehovah your God, he will lift you up. Hallelujah. David fought Goliath and prevailed. And by that evening, the man who had set an agenda for the wilderness was the new national hero. May that be somebody's story. I said, may that be somebody's story. When Joseph spends years preparing, one day he wakes up in prison and draws his agenda for managing the prison. By that evening, he's prime minister. It happened to Joseph it happened to David and the God we serve, the way-making God will cause somebody to wake up one day in a moment of uncertainty. But by the end of that day, every promise that God has made, every opportunity that God has laid up for you, in the face of stiff competition, the giant will fall and your promise will come. I said the giant will fall and your promise will come. Shout, the giant will fall and my promise will come. One more time, the giant will fall and my promise will come. If you believe it, shout one more time. The giant will fall, the giant will fall, the giant will fall and my promise, it will come. Somebody shout to the Lord. The lesson from the way maker called David is very special. We said the way maker first creates a way, creates opportunity but the second dimension of the way maker is to impart the spirit. When God gives you access, when God empowers you to open a door, create a way for others to enter the door. I stand humbled at the work that Pastor Otabel and Lady Joy Otabel have done because a way maker has made a way and ordinary people can come through and be a blessing. Hallelujah. It is a way-making spirit. That is what we call a way-maker. And so Bible says in 1 Samuel 22 verse 1 and verse 2, when you bring down the giants, expect a different kind of opposition. And so Bible says the establishment came after David and Saul sought to kill him. But in 1 Samuel 22, verse 1 and verse 2, Bible says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. That included the seed that will give birth to the man called Jonathan. Verse 2. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, and he became a captain over them, and there were about 400 men about him. Interesting. You see, the man is a straggler that God has lifted up. So when he began to move, 
and people began to gather around him, they were also people who were struggling. But you know, because the way maker was a struggler who had made a way, he saw them not as a deficit, but, but as an opportunity to impart the spirit of the way maker. Bible says David attracted 400 discontented people. That means they were not happy. Indebted. That means that they were owing and they were in distress, trouble, stress. He began to impart the can-do spirit into them. To the world, they were rejects. But to David, these were waymakers, lying crosses, and barrier breakers. Let me speak to that child that is giving you heartache. Let me speak to somebody about that child that you are tearing your hair out and wondering what will come out of this child. Let me assure a parent who is troubled here today that the same God who picked you from nowhere and made you somebody will grant you the grace. That same child you look at and say, what happened and what went wrong will rise up and become the star of the family. May God empower some parent today. May God strengthen some parent today. May God uphold some parent today. May some parent today be encouraged in your heart. That child will turn out well. That child will turn out well. That child will bring glory to the family and glory to God. Hallelujah. Bible says David took these ordinary men and poured out his spirit into them. Fast forward several years later in David's life and the seeds he sown had grown up to become mighty trees, a new crop of giant killers. As you break through, your testimony, your example will inspire your children. It will inspire your children's children. It will inspire some young person who looks up to you as a mentor to believe that if you have done it, they can do it. Generations after you will look at you and do greater works. Hallelujah. The sixth lesson of the way maker we see from David is the outdooring of the next batch, the next generation of waymakers. You read 2 Samuel 23, and some of these waymakers had become mighty men. Bible calls them the mighty men of David. It lines them up, men like Adino the Esnite, the man called the Takmonite. And when the Bible describes them, Eliezer the son of Dodo, and then Shammah the son of Agi, the Bible says some of these men could stand in a field and fight until their hand was stuck on the sword. Mighty men doing impossible things. Somebody was holding a stick and collected a sword from a giant. Unbelievable things. But the part that catches my attention is that in addition to raising way makers, David had also raised giant killers. And so let's go to 2 Samuel 21 and see four battles with four different unique giants as a result of David's upbringing of the 400 discontented, distressed, and indebted men. A waymaker transforms people like that to become giant killers and waymakers. Second Samuel 21, reading from verse 15. Bible says, when the Philistines were at war again with Israel... David and his servants went down and fought against the Philistines. And David grew faint 
Then Ishbibinob, who was one of the sons of the giants, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought that he would kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Abishai was David's cousin, one of the 400. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. Second giant, verse 18. Now it happened afterward that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibekai the Hushatite killed Saf, who was one of the sons of the giant. Giant number three, verse 19. Again, there was war at Gob with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son of Jare Origim, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. If you are following the story, you will see that the level of giant is increasing. It started with Ishbibinob, whose, whose spear weighed 300 shekels. Goliath's own weighed 600. So this was a, a lower level of giant. Then it moves on and says that the second giant was one of the sons of the giants. He didn't give details. But the third one, Bible says that it was a brother of Goliath. The shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. This is exactly how Goliath's spear was described. The fourth one, we read this one earlier. Yet again, there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature, a weapon of mass destruction, who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in number, and he was also born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimea, David's brother, killed him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. May the Lord bless his word. Amen. What the waymaker has done is that after making a way through an impossible situation, he has selected 400 rejects. 400 undesirable men with no testimony, nothing to boast of. But the good thing we know about God, he selects the foolish things, the undesirable things of this world to confound the wise so that when they are lifted up, the glory will not go to man. Can I speak to somebody tonight? Your story may not have been that beautiful. The background may not be too nice. And people may look and say, what good can God do with your life? But when God turned our captivity, we were like they that dreamt and our tongues were filled with laughter and our mouths with singing. May God turn somebody's captivity around. May your Goliath fall and may it usher you into the second season of your life. And may you raise giant killers. May your children slay giants. May your children demonstrate faith in God. The God you have known and the God you have worked with. May your children take their faith to another level. The wisdom that God has given you. May your children be wiser and wiser and greater than you. It should be your prayer that the, the collective ability that you have 
garnered over years of pain and suffering, your children will rise up. Jonathan just took out a giant with 24 digits. Even David did not do that. Why? Because the generation after you will do greater works. May that be your story. May that be your song. May that be your testimony. Generations upon generations after you will rise up because you've been a way maker and you have made a way. Hallelujah. Oh, shout, I am a way maker. I am a line crosser. I am a barrier breaker. I am a way maker. I am a line crosser. And I am a barrier breaker. Hallelujah. The final lesson from David, the way maker. Preserve the legacy. Preserve the legacy. Beware of the lost legacy. The legacy is not automatically passed on. David was a way maker. He passed on the legacy to Solomon, who was another way maker, divine wisdom and understanding, but Solomon failed to pass on the way making anointing to Rehoboam. And Rehoboam destroyed the kingdom. Moses was a way maker, brought Israel out of Egypt, mentored Joshua and Caleb and handed over to Joshua and Joshua also made a way and led Israel into the promised land but at the time of the death of Joshua the Bible records a very dangerous development I would like us to refer to before we close in Judges chapter 2 verse 10 Bible describes the generation after Joshua Bible says, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work that he had done for Israel. May that not be your story. May that not be your testimony. In the transition from Joshua to the next generation, the legacy of faith in God that had been the foundation of their success was completely lost. Every morning when you wake up, pray over your children, whether they are home or at boarding school or abroad. Pray for them. Pray for them to uphold the faith you have embraced. Pray that God will anoint them with wisdom to be greater than you. Pray that God will bless you to pass on an inheritance to them. Pray that they can do spirits that raised you from a village to be able to break through and do something. They will do even greater things than you. Pray that the principles, the values, the culture that has undergirded your life will also be transferred to them. Pray that you'll be a role model to somebody in your home. That you'll be a role model to somebody in your workplace. That in your community, somebody will look at you and say, if you have done it, I can also do it. May the spirit of the way maker come upon somebody. May somebody break through every barrier that has stood in your way. May the Goliath that has arisen and is threatening you, may that Goliath fall and usher you into the second chapter of your life. You may be 
standing on the threshold of something powerful, but there may be an establishment voice telling you you don't even deserve, you don't have the qualification. May God silence the voice of family and friends. May God silence the voice of the establishment. May God silence the voice of the giant. And may God lift you up and bring down every giant in your face. You are a way maker, you are a line crosser, you are a barrier breaker. Your testimony shall be told and the name of Jehovah shall be glorified in your life. Your children will be greater. Your children will be wiser. Your children's children's children and generations after you will rise up and call you blessed. May the Lord affirm this word in your life and may God cause the way-making spirit to lead you from strength to strength and from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-249-99000. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com Amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. Searching, searching, the light has come.